Okay, guys, we're going to be in Lesson 4 today. We're in 1 John chapter 2. We're going to continue on. We're just going to look at four verses today. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 3 through 6. And we're going to be talking about the reality of the relationship. Now, as we're going through here, I, I, I need to help you understand, we've got to put everything in context. Because when you take the text or a scripture out of context... You're, you're left with a con. And, and a lot of times we're conning ourselves when we look at these verses. So, for instance, like we, we, we believe in eternal security as a church. And what that means is, is that we believe that if you have truly been saved, Christ is in your heart, the Holy Spirit is your guarantee of salvation. You don't have to worry about losing your salvation. Now, the problem is, is that we have taken that doctrine... And basically this said that we can do whatever we want to do because we're okay. Our destiny is assured. Well, that's not true because John in this passage is trying to tell them, and he's trying to tell you and I, that there are implications about the way that we live because the way that we live reveals how who we really are, whether we really are in Christ or not. So he talked about that earlier in chapter 1. But then when we got to chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he, he kind of made the point to us, hey, you know, my little children, I write to you that you don't sin, that you need to deal with the sin in your life. You just can't keep going on the way you're going. But if you do sin, he's a realist, because he knows you are going to sin, you have an advocate, Jesus Christ, who is the, what? The propitiation, or the anointed sacrifice, or the wrath satisfier for our sins. Okay, so he's letting you know that. Now, that was verse 2. Now he gets into verse 3, and he wants to get back to the point of helping us to understand, listen, if you are truly belonging to Christ, this is going to be evident in your life. And so today we're going to talk about the reality of your relationship. If you truly belong to Jesus Christ and you have a relationship with him, it's going to be evident in your life by what he's talking about here. And he's going to say, and these other things are going to show that maybe you're not his, or you're not his. In fact, he's pretty blunt. He's blunter than George would be. George, George is not that blunt. Why? Well, you sound blunt. Well, I, I'm actually a people pleaser. My, my nature is a people pleaser, so I would be more to water it down a little bit. But John's not going to water it down, so we're going to go with what John is saying here. So let's look, first of all, he's going to talk to us about a test. There's a test concerning your faith in Christ, whether you really belong to him or not. Look with me at verse 3. Now, by this, we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. By this, we know that we know him. So he's talking about a test here. So here's what he's saying. We can know that we have a relationship with Jesus. Because someone would say, okay, well, you know, I prayed that prayer, and, but how do, I mean, you're saying that that's just not enough. Well, how can I know that I have a relationship with him? Well, John's saying here that you can know. We can know that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's the next point. The word know means an intimate knowledge. The word know here means an intimate knowledge. So here's the, here, look, let's look at that verse again. Verse 3, by this we know, intimately we know, that we intimately know him. Okay, so we're not talking about 
it, it's more, here's the next point, it's more than just a belief in a doctrine or facts. So it's not just that you believe that Jesus, you know Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not that you know stuff about Jesus, it's that you interact with Jesus and you know him intimately and personally. Do you understand? You can know that you know him. And that's going to be evident in your life. Here's the evidence. A true relationship is expressed in obedience. A true relationship is expressed in obedience. Now let me qualify that for you. When I talk about obedience to what Jesus is saying, I want you to understand. Well, here, let me give you the next point. If we do what Jesus says, it shows that we have a relationship with him. The evidence that I am saved is the fact that I do what Jesus tells me to do. Now, let me just stop for a moment. I'm going to qualify that for you. When I talk about doing what Jesus says to do, that's the point, what Jesus says to do. Now, we muddy the waters in church. What do you mean by that? Well, in church, we can develop our own set of rules of what we think needs to happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, like, for instance, you know what, I've been a believer now, I've been a believer now 27 years. Boy, that's a long time, 27 years, wow, okay. 27 years I've been a believer. Now, when I first became a Christian, I went to a church that we would probably deem as, well, we wouldn't probably, we would say was pretty legalistic. You dressed up on Sunday, guys wore a coat and a tie, you know what I'm saying, in this church, you had to have your hair cut a certain way. No facial hair. So all these goatees and and uh, mustaches and beards, that was, you know, you just didn't do that. Ladies wore dresses. You didn't wear pants because pants were created for men. Don't dress like a man. How many of you know, have you heard that kind of stuff before? Now, churches, even like a church like ours, you can develop your own set of rules, and judge spirituality based on that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where your whole spiritual essence is judged based upon whether or not you were keeping one of these rules or not. But the problem with those rules is this. Anybody know what the problem with those rules are? Yeah, they're not biblical. Jesus didn't say anything about doing that. In Jesus' day, they didn't have pants. If anything, guys were wearing dresses back then. All right? Do you know what I'm saying? How do I know that? Well, you know, in a lot of places in the Bible, it says to gird up your loins. Now, what does that mean? It means you reach down and grab the hem of your dress and tuck it into your belt so you can run. Because have you ever ran in a dress? Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, that's biblical. All right? Here's what I'm saying. So I'm qualifying this to understand when we talk about obedience, showing my relationship with Jesus, it is not obedience to the rules that we come up with that are extra biblical. Because isn't that what the Pharisees did? I mean, they created a whole list of rules. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it said in the Scripture... You're not to labor on the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath holy. Well, what they did was decided, what does that mean? 
can't walk a certain distance, can't do this, can't do that. You know, so it, obedience is with reference to what Jesus says. Now, let me just stop. That right there is hard enough. It's easier to do the man-made stuff. Because the stuff that Jesus tells you actually deals with who you are as a person and your character and your heart. Did you understand what I'm saying? So the, the point is, is that if we do what Jesus says, it shows that we have a relationship with him. But the next verse, verse 4, talks about being exposed. Look at verse 4. But he who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. So we're talking about being exposed. Now, he's very blunt here. John bluntly points out that there are some who make false professions. There are some who make false professions. What does that mean? Well, they say, if we say we know him, but we do something else. These are folks who say, oh, I know Jesus, I love Jesus, I'm saved, I'm okay. But their life does something completely different. Their life's going in a different direction. Their life isn't obedient to what Jesus says. Okay? So, and here's the thing. We try to err on the air of grace. So we, we come up with, especially if it's a family member, we'll say things like, well, I remember... I remember, you know what, quit remembering what's going on right now. Where are they at right now? John's very bluntly talking about the language there of verse 4 is, is if we say we know him and does not keep, that's talking about present tense. Right now, he's not keeping. See, here's the thing, I'm going to be honest with you. When you look at the scripture, salvation is never talked about in a past time experience. It's always talking about a present with a future anticipation. You want me to say that again? Maybe I, it's not talking about, salvation is not talking about a past time experience. It's always with reference to a present experience with a future anticipation. The future anticipation being, my faith is in the, what's to come. So the reality is, listen to me, he's saying here that there are some who make false professions. We know that. I know that in church. I just don't know who they are. I just have to go by what you say. But the reality is, ultimately, your life exposes what it is. Who you are during the week really reflects whether or not you know him. Now, the thing is, is I only see you, what, one, two hours a week? I don't see you at work. I don't see you at Walmart. I, I don't see you at, you know, in your home. I don't see you by yourself. You, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? You know that, but what your life exposes is where you're really at. And John is bluntly pointing out here that there are some who make false professions. In fact, they express a relationship, but that, but do not do as Jesus says. We got a lot of folks who say that. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I help out with Living Bread on Wednesdays, Living Bread Ministry. I help with their food distribution, and, and every other week, I'm the guy who brings the message. And I was bringing the message this last Wednesday, and, and I was, it's, almost, it's almost laughable, but it was shocking. 
And I said, we know, I was making a point about that the church, people often say that the church is filled with, and immediately, it wasn't even a second, the whole room goes, hypocrites! It's echoing through the building. I mean, they're not loud. In fact, Pastor Scott and I, we afterwards were talking about that, and we're like, man, did you catch how quick they were to say that? There's a reason why everybody says that. It's not a lie. Do you know what I'm saying? Does everybody recognize that's not a lie? I mean, let's not deceive ourselves. I mean, there was a point where I, I mean, ten years ago I would have thought, oh, come on, I know the people in the church, they're good. No, we're all hypocrites. Period. All of us. And, but the reality is, is that there are some who make false professions, but the reality is, is their life is showing something else. This is what John is bluntly pointing out. In fact, here's what he's doing. Wow, it's almost like John bluntly describes such a person as a liar. Oh, is there any way we could say it nicer than that? He's deceived. Uh, I think we used the term before, backslidden. You know, there's, there's got to be a... No, John, the apostle, you have to understand, but think about it now. Think about where he's at. He's probably, by this time, he's probably in his 60s or 70s. He's writing this letter about A.D., 85, maybe up to 90. We're not sure exactly when. It, we have an idea about the time. So he's the last surviving apostle. Everybody else that he was with, with Jesus, is dead now. Martyred. He's pretty blunt. You ever met old folks who've gone through life and they get, you know, they're like, at the end, Boy, I, wish, I wish Uncle Joe would just kind of rein it in a little. And, and they don't. They just, they just say it like it is. You know what I'm saying? He's being blunt here. Now, remember, he was using an affectionate term just a few verses ago, my children. And now he's just saying it like it is. If you don't do this, you're a liar. Yeah, Denny. Yep, okay, now let's go back. What did he say in verse 2? My little children, I write these things to you that you sin not, but if you sin. Now, he's a realist. I understand that. Now, okay, let me just stop for a moment. Let me help you understand something. The apostle is saying to us in verse 1, I'm writing to you that you don't sin. But if you sin, he's a realist, he knows you're going to sin. All right? So, does everybody understand you're going to sin? The issue isn't, so if you're going to sin, you're not keeping the what? Commandments. All right? The issue isn't that we fail. The issue is what our failure reveals. So you can be saved and fail. In fact, all right, let me just say this. A saved person will fail. You want to write that down? You can. A saved person will fail. But there's a little bit of difference between someone who's saved and failing and someone who's not saved and failing. Yeah, it does make us look like a hypocrite, but understand what I'm saying here. Let me, let me finish my point here. Cause you're, I think I'm trying to help you understand what, who he's talking about here versus who he's not talking about. If you have a person who says they're saved, and they continue in a lifestyle of sin, not failure, but sin, they're continuing 
in this, they don't see any problem with that. They're continuing to sin. They're continuing to fall. They show no remorse. In fact, when you talk to them about it, they're not broken over it or even showing any signs of brokenness over it. They actually take the opposite viewpoint. They're arrogant about it. Who are you to judge me type thing? All right? This is the point I'm trying to say to you. He's talking about somebody whose lifestyle continues to sin. There's no change in their life. When you are a believer, okay, you have somebody who lives within you. Who is that? Holy Spirit. When you sin, what does the Holy Spirit do? Does he turn his head the other way? Yeah, he, you feel grieved. Do you understand? Because you're grieving him. You have a conscience. Your conscience is pricked. And typically, unless you're way off into sin... With, an un, with a believer, there is going to be a consciousness there to recognize, I'm not doing right. I'm not doing right. Now, yes, there's going to be a struggle. So you can tell that they're, you know, the, the point here is that it's talking about the person who says they know, but they're just continuing in the lifestyle. Nothing's hindering them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Nothing's, they're not embracing the reality of the truth. And usually that can take place by just talking with somebody. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can find out where somebody's at by talking with them. Because if there's no concern, there's no truth there. In fact, that's what the next point is. Hold on a second. It also points out that such a person does not have truth in him. Here's The issue is the difference between repentance and remorse. Okay? What do you mean by that, George? Well, a... Believer is going to be repentant, meaning he's going to acknowledge his sin. He's going to, he's going to make attempts to stop. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? But if you have a person who's not doing that, who doesn't care, that reveals something in their heart, that there's something wrong there. Okay. Now let me give you an example of what remorse is versus repentance. I've, I've, I've had, when you're a pastor, sometimes you get exposed to the ugliness of people's lives, okay? And in the 20 years of pastoring now, I've had several different incidences. Was it a lot, some of it was in my early part of my ministry where someone got caught doing something. And it was usually, I think in one instance, it was the adultery. In another instance, it was something criminal. And, and in both instances, they expressed remorse. Oh, they're, they're sorry. Oh, they need forgiveness. Please forgive them. They didn't do right. Okay? Now, in the beginning, remorse and repentance look the same. There's a brokenness over sin. Excuse me, there's a brokenness. Let me just say, in the beginning, they look the same because there's a brokenness. Repentance, though, it's a brokenness over the sin and that they need to do something about it. Remorse, it's always a brokenness, but it's a brokenness that I got caught. And how you determine the difference between the two is, you, you, time will show the difference. And in these two instances, time showed that it was remorse. Why? 
Well, because in both instances there was a victim, okay, or victims. And usually you can tell the difference between remorse and repentance by, after a while, what that person says about the victim. If there's a genuine concern and a brokenness for what they did to the victim, folks, that's repentance. But if they're just sloughing it off, which I can think about in this one instance, they were sloughing it off. Like, no, it's almost like the victim's fault type thing. Folks, that's just remorse. They were, they were, they were unhappy that they got caught. Did you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. All right. Okay, yeah, and, and what does, yep, yeah, now here's the thing though, Danny. Alright, the issue is whether you recognize it and you feel like you need to do something about it. Yeah, here's the thing. I think, can I be honest with you? I think if we, let's, let's just stop for a moment because let me try to help you understand what I'm saying when I talk about the hypocritical thing. Okay, when I say that we're all hypocrites, Actually, I think if you really thought about it, your natural brokenness over your sin, like for me, I mean, I sin, all right? I do wrong. But there is a sense in which I don't live up to who I am as a believer. No, but that the feeling of being hypocritical is, is the feeling we should have. All right, Bruce, here's what I would say to you. I think if if we're honest with ourselves, though, like I'm a parent. I can almost guarantee you that sometimes as a parent I'm hypocritical because I tell my kids to do things that I turn around and do myself. That's hypocrisy. Did you understand what I'm saying? But I'm still a hypocrite, though. Okay, all right, we won't go there. All right. Denny, here's the thing. I don't want you to understand. I don't want you to confuse. What I'm talking about here is somebody who's making a profession about being a believer, but their life is not changing. They're continuing on in their sin. Well, it's going to keep coming back. The issue is what you do with it. Okay, well, hold on a second, though. But if you're, in a, if, you're, if you're a believer and you're in a church family, you're going to know it because you have the Holy Spirit who's going to tell you, you know what? Yeah, okay. Okay, all right, well, hold on a second. I just want you to hear me. You're going to know. The Holy Spirit's going to communicate to you, all right, and say to you, plus the church family, if, we, if, we, if we're trying to do what Jesus is saying, you know, we're going to come alongside you and say, hey, Dan, man. You know, you, you, you said this over here. That, that probably wasn't the best thing to say. And, and if your attitude is, yeah, I know, man. Okay, I don't want you to confuse what you're talking about in your own wrestling, which is like a Romans 7 thing, okay, with what we're talking about here, which is somebody, and we have that, okay, let's not be deceived, where we have people who say they're saved, they maybe have prayed and got baptized, but nothing's changing in their life. This is what John's talking about. Okay, here, I understand that. All right. That, 
can I be honest with you? That, that, some of what you're talking about is an evidence of the Spirit working in your life. See, if you didn't have any conscience about it at all, because what you're communicating is your consciousness of your sin. But if you didn't have any consciousness of your sin at all, there'd be a question, Danny. You know what I'm saying? We'd get a big red marker out and we'll just paint it on your forehead. Question mark, okay? Yeah, or if he didn't care. Or if, you know what I'm saying, or if your lifestyle is continually marked by it, but we're not having a session right now where you're having, you know, uh, an AA meeting here, you know, I'm a sinner and this is what's going on, okay? Okay. See, some of, to me, that's all expressing, Denny, in your life, your concern for your sin. And your concern, you're, if you go to Romans 7, you hear Paul saying the same thing. The good I want to do, I don't want to do. You know, that which I don't want to do, I do. You know, oh, wretched man, who could save me? You know, those are the things that Paul's talking about, okay? But that's an expression of a believer who knows Jesus Christ, okay? What we're talking about here is, as he's very bluntly talking about, is people who say they're okay, but they're continuing in their lifestyle, and they're not doing what Jesus is telling them to do. They think it's okay. Hey, you know, let's be honest. You know, I've, I've told you I've been saved 27 years. I've been pastoring for 20. I've been in churches where there's been deacons who've been having affairs with people. Multiple affairs with women. And they think they're okay? Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, are we going to tell them they're okay? And, they can, and without a conscience, they can do that to their wife and do that to other women? That ain't right. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what he's talking about. They're liars. This is what... So when we talk about you wrestling with something, that's, that's a different subject than what we're talking about here in First John. Okay? But, I mean, we're, when we're talking about somebody who is continuing in a lifestyle here. Okay, so we got a Christian businessman who says he's a Christian, but then he's cheating his customers all the time. Do you know what I'm saying? And so he's just cheating them. You know what I'm saying? That, that, you know, that guy, and he doesn't know conscience about it. He treats his employees like garbage. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? There's no conscience there. This is what John's talking about. If you're saved, it's going to affect the way you live your life. It's going to affect every aspect of your life. Okay? And you're going to do what Jesus tells you to do. And if you're not doing what Jesus tells you to do, you're lying to yourself. In fact, he goes on and says, you don't have the truth in you. What truth is he talking about? The truth of salvation, that you need Jesus Christ because you're a sinner. Okay, now, okay, Tina, what was your question? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Did you hear what Tina said? Uh, we won't get into the hypocrite issue, or we know there's disagreement on that. I did want to bring up the one point, though, she said about perception. You know what I'm saying? We are perceived differently in the community. So let me just talk about that a little bit. I think the best thing for us to do is not walk around with an arrogance about our faith, but walk around in a humility. What's missing is humility about our faith. The arrogance, we've met arrogant Holy Joes at work, right? They turn you off, don't they? Okay? And then you see them do something stupid, and you're like, like, what's up with that, buddy? You know what I'm saying? So it's how you're perceived. And the issue is, is that the best thing for us to do as believers is recognize, okay, nobody's going to understand forgiveness. They expect perfection from a Christian. There's no way I can be perfect. But I need to be humble about it. 
But to walk around with an arrogance, like, okay, like, I hate bumper stickers. You know, I, I do. Like, Christians, Christians are, you know, they're just forgiven. Well, scrape that one off. And do the speed limit then, buddy, okay? You know what I'm saying? You know what, you know what I'm saying? Don't, I mean, okay. Yes. Okay. But here's what I'm saying. That is the message. It's how we communicate the message. If I communicate the message with I'm a holier than thou, though, I'm not. That's hypocrisy. But if I communicate the message, you know what? Hey, I don't understand it, but he forgave me. I don't deserve it. I deserve hell. You know, but you know what? If I come with a turn or burn attitude, that, that's, that's arrogance. Okay? All right, let's go on here. And somebody else got a question up. Oh, Scott. Okay, number three. All right, I forgot the number. Four. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point, Scott. And let me just let me go ahead and say this real quick. You know, as you mature in Christ, you become more aware of how sinful you are. Can I just say that? If you want to write that down, as you mature in Christ, you become more aware of your sin. Now, that's going to result in something if you're maturing. If you're maturing and you're becoming more aware of your sin, you become more tolerant of other people who are sinners. Because you understand now, you know, and I'm not one up over them. I'm like them. And they may be wrestling with alcoholism, but my wrestling is with food. Do you you understand what I'm saying? They maybe got a mouth problem, but I got an ear problem. What's an ear problem? I like to hear it. Do you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you begin to mature. Here's the difference, okay? We're talking about somebody who, uh, and here's the next point, because we've got to get going. John is saying they're not saved. We're talking about somebody who says they're okay, but they're not saved. Now, can we stop for a moment? Does everybody acknowledge here, for the sake of understanding, that it is possible to come to church, it's possible that they're deceived, and they're not saved? Does everybody acknowledge that? Okay. Do you understand? So that type of person is going to continue to do what his body is telling him. He's going to continue, according to Ephesians chapter 2, an unsaved person is influenced by what? The culture around him, the world. He's influenced by Satan, and he's influenced by the lusts of his own body. And so that's always going to be directed into doing what? Sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so you're continuing sin, but you don't have any attitude about sensing the wrongness of that. There's a problem there. And he's saying the truth is not in you. You're a liar. He's basically saying they're not saved. So everybody's on the same planet here, right? Okay. All right, let's go on. This was good discussion. I knew this was going to bubble up at some point. I'm glad it did. It's going to bubble up again. Because as we get moving on in this, he's going to talk about you and your relationship with your brother. And if you hate someone, he says the truth's not in you. That's next week. Okay, Brad. Yeah, and, it's, and, and notice the word there, know, means an intimate knowledge. Now, how do I have an intimate knowledge of someone? I know them through experience, by a relationship with them. Okay. All right, let's go on. The real deal. He's going to talk about the real deal is. So hopefully this is going to describe us, okay? Here's the real deal. 
A true believer keeps the Word of God. Look with me at verse 5. But whoever keeps my word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this we know that we are in him. Okay? So the real deal, a true believer keeps the word of God. Here's the other thing. This shows that the love of God is perfected in him. Now the word perfected has the connotation of maturity. If if the love of God, now what's the love of God expressed? That love of God is the love of Christ for you in salvation, if that is expressed in your life in maturity, it's going to be expressed in the way that you live your life. If you truly embrace that, it's going to be, an, it's going to be expressed in your lifestyle. It's going to be expressed in how you are. Now, does that, mean you're not going, does that mean you're going to be perfect? No, it means that that's the general tone of the direction that you're going in. Do you slip up? Yeah. But that's why Proverbs says that a righteous man may fall, but he picks himself up. You've got to pick yourself up, because the reason why you can pick yourself up is back in verse 1, where he says, My little children, I write to you that you sin not, but if you sin, verse 1 says, you have what? An advocate. Jesus Christ, who satisfied, verse 2, the wrath of God against us. So I can pick myself up. Alright? So I can go on. So this shows that the love of God is perfected in him. Now here, obedience assures us of our salvation. You know, a lot of times we'll wrestle with assurance. Usually when we wrestle with assurance, it's because of what in our life? Sin. What is an evidence of the assurance in our life is what? Obedience. Am I obedient? Am I doing what he says? Yes, I'm going to fall. Yes, I'm going to stumble. See, have you noticed that assurance is usually an issue with younger Christians? Because they're immature. And they haven't truly understood their position with Christ. But as you mature in Christ, you begin to understand the forgiveness of Christ. And you understand that sin is a part of your life, but you can continue to go on. But obedience is, is my lifestyle is reflective of obedience. It's going to reflect an assurance of my salvation. Obedience is an evidence to others of our faith. Because look at what he says there. Verse 5. By this, what is he talking about? Keeping the word. We know that we are in him. Here's the thing. But it's, it's, it's the overall interaction with someone, but see, here's the thing. You ought to have been with people, and they may say something, and you've been with them a while, and you know they're deceiving themselves. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not real. This is what John's talking about. Now, here's the final point. Verse verse 6. He who says he abides in him ought also to walk in him just as he walked. Here's what I'm saying. Those who have a relationship with Jesus should do as he says. This is the whole bottom line point of what he's getting to. If you say you know him, if you say you have a relationship with him, if you say you love Jesus, then here's what you got to do. you got to do what he says. That's the point he's making here. You just can't go on and do your own thing. All right? All right. We had a lot of good questions today. Next week we're going to continue on where he's going to talk about writing a new commandment to us. That we love one another. And then he's going to talk about how that's expressed. Okay? Because this is what he's building to. If I'm going to do what Jesus says, 
The next thing he's going to say is, okay, this is what Jesus says. You've got to love each other. 